Um, all right, so uh, welcome everybody. This is a special one-shot episode uh, that we're playing tonight. It is called The Edge of Darkness. I am not your usual keeper of arcane lore, Alex. I am actually the guy that plays all the dumb people. Uh, this is Seth. Typically, pay, uh, I've played uh, McGann and uh, Fleet Scooter. Wait, no, Skeet Fluter. <laughs> played Skeet Fluter and Gil McGann. Fleet Scooter once. You're doing great, Seth. And Tallahassee. Yeah, and a regular Tallahassee, uh, which is good. So, um, okay, a couple of things before we get started, guys. Um, I'm super excited about this episode. It uh, is a classic. It's got a ton of awesome stuff in it, so I'm pumped. Uh, we also have a new player with us tonight, a guest player. Um, in fact, a female, which is exciting. Our first woman. <laughs> Look at us. Um, <clears throat> proud to say it's my wife, Callie. Say hi, Callie. Female power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, our usual Burn female is gone. Pete couldn't yeah. make it. <laughs> Burn, Pete. Just kidding. That's burn on females. <laughs> okay. So uh, <clears throat> as we go along, since this is uh, this is the first time I've run a scenario, I've played yeah, this is what, Seth's thrice? first time ever. The one thing that I want to try to do is make sure that, uh, especially in uh, battle scenes, we've got to make quick decisions. So I'm going to keep it, um, try to keep it around like three to five seconds. If you start dragging, then I'm gonna uh, push you, and you lose your uh, turn. You're, yeah, you lose your turn, or you know the the bad guy's gonna attack or whatever. So, um, all right, good, man. With that, uh, let's dive in to the edge of darkness. Since the dawn of time, mankind has been unable to shake free from that never-ceasing nudge to explore and create curiosity. It is what has brought us from the dirt to the stars. Always looking up, looking further, it has led to accomplishments beyond our wildest imaginations. Deep tunnels into the Earth's crust have plundered its riches to fuel this fire, led to magnificent ships and impenetrable shells allowing man to sail the seas and traverse the depths of the oceans. Like Tennyson's Ulysses, to follow knowledge like a sinking star beyond the utmost bound of human thought, we subdued even the unseen forces like gravity, allowing us to soar past the light of our skies and touch the eternal darkness of outer space. But could that same curiosity, that ever-burning flame of discovery, left untamed and stoked by pride, also be the source of our ultimate doom? Some work of noble note may yet be done, the poet speaks, but unsinkable ships now lie rusting in silent graves at the bottom of the ocean. Like Ulysses not unbecoming men that strove with gods, our cutting-edge flying machines defied an invisible god's invisible laws only to burst into fiery infernos and be thrust to the earth. To strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield, he cries, and we split the atom, the very building blocks of creation, to produce the greatest source of energy in human history, but also, inevitably, 
the most destructive weapons the world has ever known. All of mankind has been lifted up, but also while millions upon millions have been laid low in the grave, all of the name of discovery and our never-ceasing need to know. Are some questions better left unanswered? What if we pushed this unsinkable ship through millions of tons of glacial ice? What if we sailed the skies in a 242-ton hydrogen balloon? What if we could summon the dead? What if we freed this seemingly innocent creature from its spellbound cage? What if? What if? What if? Discovery, it seems, is balanced on the edge of a knife. One side, the light of wisdom and elevation. On the other, darkness. One day, perhaps, we might follow Tennyson's sinking star, our brightest star, that ever-increasing fire of curiosity, only to find it leading over that other edge and sinking down, down, down into nothing but darkness. This is the Arkham Files, Locked Vault Case 2301, Edge of Darkness. We're in Arkham, Massachusetts, the summer of 1923. Each of you have recently received an urgent telegram from Rupert Merriweather, an aging man you have known for some time. Merriweather is unwell and seems not to have much time left. He's asked you to meet him at St. Mary's Teaching Hospital in Arkham at 1 o'clock on Thursday. You haven't seen the man for quite some time, so this urgent summons appears to be quite important. But, what could be so important that after all this time, he would request your presence so urgently? Okay, so we're on your way to the hospital. It's Thursday. As, uh, as each of you arrive separately, you're unaware that uh, your friend has requested the presence of others. So you hurry inside to escape the pouring rain and get directions from the front desk to make your way up to Merriweather's hospital room. Uh, before entering, each of you realize uh, that the others that have arrived are also heading into uh, the hospital room as well. You're all going to the same destination. So in the back of your mind, you think perhaps it would be proper, uh, you suppose, to take this opportunity to introduce yourself to these other gentlemen and gentlewoman, <laughs> gentle lady. Uh, I did not script for a woman. So, uh... <laughs> Typical man. Yeah, so dumb. So you, uh, you think perhaps that maybe this is a good opportunity to introduce yourself to the others that are going in uh, and explain how you are acquainted with Mr. Merriweather. So why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and uh, tell each other what your name is, um, what you do for a living, and how you know Mr. Mer Merriweather. Uh, hey, everybody. My name's Phil McGann. And uh, <laughs> uh, you might know my twin brother, uh, Gil McGann. He's somewhat famous for his uh, research in marine biology. But anyway, that's besides the point. 
Uh, yeah, I'm Phil, and, uh, Mr. Merriweather, uh, I'm his, I guess you could say his spiritual guide and guru on all things, you know, spiritual and natural and paranormal. And, uh, you know, we go back a while now, and, uh, yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Welcome, Phil McGann, to Uh, the game. What what do you look like, Phil McGann? Well, I've got long hair. It's uh, a little unkempt, you know. I kind of live in the woods, so it looks like... It kind of looks like birds may or may not nest there from time to time. But that's okay, because I like things all natural. Uh, however, I'm strikingly handsome. I've got an 80 on my appearance. Wow. Yeah, so so that, McGann's. that's like McGann's a three-wife level of family. appearance. Oh. Competition name. Uh, or like three trees, because I only marry trees. <laughs> he loves wood. Uh, <laughs> Seth, you got to keep us on the rails, bro. <laughs> Remember what Pete said. It's like the, it's like the inmate running the asylum. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm strikingly handsome. I've got uh, you know prayer beads, bracelets, and necklaces, and uh, a bolero kind of thing around my neck. And yeah, that's me. I, I, yeah. Cool. All right, Donnie. Hello. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Just go for it, man. Excuse me. My name is Dr. Heinrich Schnitzel. You might say I know Meriwether in very many different ways, such as his family doctor. You might be asking yourself right now, why am I not in Un's office with him as we speak? <laughs> it's because of this. I must introduce myself to all of you. I see we have a woman present. Well, as you can see, my appearance is not very good. You might say it's a 55. That's a half-wife status. <laughs> but what I lack in appearance, I do make up in intelligence. That's an Italian accent, isn't it? You're, you're all over the place, right. but it's good. It's entertaining, <laughs> actually. Like, switch your, uh, accent. Yes, I have a fluid accent. If you're it's, right. it's good. Solid. I like it, Donnie. Okay. Well, now you know everything about me. <laughs> At least until I dis- expose more of my thoughts and things. Like what kind of things? You will I see. I want to know what the things Nothing. are. I am a doctor of medicine. <laughs> Maybe I do. I like to expose things. I'm an exposist. <laughs> Moving on. You good, Donnie? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, alright, babe. Hi, y'all. I'm Victoria Chapman, and I grew up in Georgia. I am a professor of fine arts, and I am, I went to Clinton Female Seminary of Clinton, Georgia. Very nice. Um, f- well, I won't tell you my age, but I'm very good looking. I've got an, a- oh, hey. an 85. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> That's a three husband. 
Honey, I was. I gave her all of her scores. I know. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice, excellent. I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's a babe. Deck over there. You could have given her 99. You're like, I don't she's want her to get cocky. <laughs> I'm extremely intelligent, and what's your intelligence? 90. Holy schnitzel! Oh, yeah, stack the deck. <laughs> Great, yeah. Oh, someone stacked the deck here. <laughs> you know that's right. It's only going to be one player left alive at the end of yeah. this game. It's all right, Seth. you got to go home with her, so that's okay. My intelligence is a four. As a man, I'm very intimidated by smart women. A zero four. Dummy. Um, yeah, I'd just like to say one more thing. Um, you will not be calming these verbaceous tits. <laughs> <laughs> Headphones on that one. <laughs> oh, welcome to the show, Callie. Ooh, mic drop. <laughs> uh, and, and how do you know Professor Merriweather? Oh, of course. Um, well, we're both professors, so we, you know, we teach at the same. Your school. colleagues. And what school would that be? And uh, I have a hunger for learning, so you know, we just. We just know each other. Get together and we we learn. All right. We learn so good. Time for a learning spree. All right, Abe. Oh, man. Okay. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Who's my Jove be? Well, hi, everybody. My name is uh, Fred Landers, and um, it's good to see you all here. It's good to see that uh, my good buddy, Rupert Merriweather, has so many wonderful friends. My good brothers and sisters. (laughs) Now, it's a pleasure to meet you, Professor Chapman, and and Phil over there, and Dr. Heinrich. It is just a pleasure. And Phil, it's it's a great pleasure to meet another spiritual-minded person. uh, I happen to be Rupert's... um, Bishop? Well, not technically as bishop. I am a bishop in the church, but um, I'm trying to to convert Rupert to the church, and you know, it's going pretty good, I think. And uh, what church would that be? That would be the Mormon Church. I'm a bishop <laughs> in the Mormon Church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brothers and sisters, they were still Mormons back then, guys. So that explains. That explains your wife. It's just a pleasure to see you all here, to see that he has just, you know, so many friends. I I sure hope he's going to be okay. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a medium-sized fella. I've got brown hair, a nice mustache. And um, I'm pretty handsome, too, if I don't say so myself. Um, I got a 75 in appearance. But definitely only a one-wife range. Oh, oh. Well, yeah, of course, because, you know, we did away with that about 30 years ago. (laughs) So, only one wife. (laughs) Always only one wife potential. (laughs) One wife potential, but, yeah. Anyway, that's it for me. All right, Alex. Um, Okay, so as you guys are walking up, you also see walking towards you, um, heading the same direction as you all are, uh, is a 
tall, uh, live-looking elderly gentleman, probably in his 60s, though he moves very well for an older man. He has uh, white hair. Uh, he's wearing wireframe glasses. He's very smartly dressed in a black suit and a tie that um, everything looks like it's been done up and squared with a ruler. Uh, very prim, proper gentleman walking with you as he glances over and looks at the rest of you and goes, Oh, hello. It's a pleasure to meet you, gentlemen, lady. I am Mr. Merriweather's personal valet. You might call it a butler of where I am. Where I'm from, you call it valet. So, I'm here to see him. I've been on sabbatical. He sent me away to do some things, so I've missed him greatly. I'm back. Hopefully, I can help him with whatever he needs. Great. All right. That's it. That's me. <laughs> well, uh, it's good to meet you. Welcome. What did you say your name was? <clears throat> Mr. Nichols. Carlford. Pleasure, Mr. Nichols. Pleasure. Now, Mr. Nichols. Fred. You say you're his valet? Yes. All right. Does that mean you dress him when he is naked? (laughs) Did you say your name was Mr. Nipples? (laughs) Mr. Nichols. And yes, that is one of my responsibilities as a valet. I help him dress. I drive his car. I think he might get along him. with my friend Phil. I do hope so. All right. Okay. Um, all right, let's keep this rolling. So, with pleasantries out of the way, you knock on the door and are beckoned to enter. As the door swings open, you see a withering old man, barely recognizable as some sort of illness, has stripped him of any semblance of the man you once knew lying in a hospital bed. An older woman and younger gentleman are beside him. His fragile hands wave you forward as he requests the others to leave. (coughs) Gentlemen, welcome, uh, and lady. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I gotta remember to... Okay, we start that over. Loop all night. Yeah, took me a while to write all this script and everything, so... Uh, Kelly, you I can't say, improv very well. You right. say, <clears throat> and lady. Uh, gentlemen, uh, welcome. This is my wife, Agnes, and my son, Bertrand. <laughs> Darling, son, please give me a few moments with my friends. Agnes, his sobbing wife, leaves the room reluctantly as she holds her hands over her face to cover the tears. Bertrand, on the other hand, angrily glares at you as he backs into the hall and closes the door. Thank you so much for coming. (coughs) I wish it were under better circumstances, but as I'm nearing my last breath on this earth, I knew you were the only ones I could rely on. The doctors, including Heinrich here, are baffled with my illness, and I fear it is because an otherworldly essence has caused it. And that I have brought it upon myself. (coughs) You see, in my youth, I and some fellow students became involved in what we believed to be an innocent exploration of the occult. Led by a slightly older man named Marion Allen, 
The six of us purchased an old farmhouse a few miles west of Arkham, <coughs> near the village of Ross's Corners. There we could conduct seances and other psychical research in privacy. Alas, our work had unforeseen results. Our last experiment summoned an evil force into this world. Instead of attempting to expel the thing, we were afraid and abandoned the old house, confident that the magic that brought the evil into this world would also keep it confined to that vacant house, <coughs> or send it back after a short time. However, I have since discovered that the spell that binds the entity to the house lasts only as long as the casters live. I am the last of the group, and I fear that upon my death the thing will go free and wreak havoc on the folks thereabouts. I am too old, too ill, and too much of a coward to go back to that house to try to banish the entity myself. I am guilty of many things, <clears throat> but my deepest sin was unleashing that horror that faithful night. Faithful night, not faithful. <laughs> I am convinced the entity will escape its confinements on my death. Take the box, he says as he gestures weakly towards an innocuous metal box on the nightstand beside his bed. I take the box. Excellent. I was going to yes. ask who takes the box. Mr. Nichols take takes the box. The box. <laughs> yes, of course. Mr. Merriweather. Whatever you need. <clears throat> All the aid I can offer you lies within the box. You must find the courage to send that thing back to where it came from. I take the courage. Send that <laughs> thing back to where it came from, or so help me. You, you must see that this is done. <clears throat> Do this for me, please. So as he's choking up and hacking up what appears to be some sort of phlegm, he actually, like, explodes a strange, gooey black liquid out of his mouth and onto Mr. Nichols. It's like, a, it's like a dark tar, like a dark black tar. And he starts choking and starts going into convulsions. Um, Mr. Nichols, I'm going to need you to do a sanity check. <laughs> Watching your friend choke to death on some black, strange oh, liquid. No. Nice to marry weather. I'm gonna need a new tie. <laughs> uh, that's a 94. Okay, uh, you go insane Failure. and you wander, you wander no. away. Go Just kidding. Insane. Uh, all right, so lose one point of sanity. Just one? Yeah, just one. Okay. Okay, your friend's sitting there like choking on some black goo and like convulsing and going into uh, some sort of like. Convulsions. Seizures. Seizures. There we go. Your friend's okay, going I into take seizures. A, oh, boy. Oh I take a handkerchief boy. out of my pocket and start cleaning him up. Uh, hold uh, hold on, Mr. Nichols. Pray uh, real quick. Hold on. Don't move. Let me pull out a vial. And you got some demon yuck all over your shirt. That's bad <laughs> juju, man. You don't want to touch it with your skin. I go over and I scoop up all the demon yuck off of his shirt into my vial and I cap it off real quick. Nine. He's away from him. Uh, stay back, doctor. I know no, what I'm I, doing. This I is have a the spiritual perfect matter. He stops breathing. Okay, oh. doctor, go help him. <laughs> Wait, I need a woman to give him CPR. Do we have one? 
Uh, somebody get the doctor. Yeah, your friend's dying. What are you guys doing? Uh, I yell for the doctor. Yes, I am a doctor. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, not that doctor. I'm a gonna useful roll for doctor. medicine. Okay. <clears throat> I roll for medicine. All right. Y'all, where's the nurse? Our um, first aid. No, actually, uh, Mr. Nichols already yelled for for help, basically. So uh, after he yelled for help, the door bursts open, and um, his family comes rushing back in, followed by uh, a doctor and a couple of nurses. And as as they come in. <clears throat> Bertrand looks at you guys and he says, What did you guys do? Get out of here! I don't know why my father trusted you, but I don't. Get out of here. But I'll be back for that box because it's my rightful inheritance. Whatever's in there belongs to me. So don't you go far. I'll be coming for that box and whatever's inside it. Hey, man, cool it. Well, jeez, I mean, we're just trying to help out, out your dad. Get out He's of here. He's got wait, some wait, demon wait, wait. inside Let me pray over... Listen, I'm a, Rupert. Just, I'm a lawyer. Just give me a sec. And maybe we could sing a hymn? What do you guys think? Everybody <laughs> gather around? <laughs> no! There ain't no churchy music in here! <laughs> I don't know why my well, father brought any of you in here. Get out! He shoves you, you, you he, he's pushing you guys out of the door. House because I have a few friends that might want to come visit you. <laughs> Pushes you out. A few missionaries. Slam, slams the door. So you guys all right. are... Alright, you're standing out in the hallway. Um, just kind of in shock that of what you guys just witnessed. I mean, your good friend, Professor Merriweather, yeah. was basically spitting up some weird foreign substance from a disease yeah. that doctors had no idea what it was. And for all you know, he's in there about, uh, basically dying. So what do you guys do and where do you go from here? Um, I look angrily at Mr. Landers. Mr. Landers, did you do this? To my master. <laughs> Did you do this to him? I know. If I'm you're... the one that you called to get rid of this. No, I, I know. I use the power I've heard, to cast it out. I've heard of your people. You're always putting burning in people's bosoms. And that's what that looked like to me. Well, it's Did the wrong this? kind of burning. If you want the good burning, that's what we've got. Now, I can cast this out if you guys want to go back in there. We'll just have to push Rup what was I know. Bertrand, no. Bertrand, Bertrand out of the way. Now, I know what kind of man you are. You're the kind of man who just wants to watch the bosoms burn. <laughs> <laughs> nah, see, what we really need to do is go in there and draw a circle around him with chalk, light some candles. Uh, now, now, none and, of your uh, hocus pocus. Nah, we need to encircle him with a circle of salt. I knew. I knew. Right, there's him there's like a small siren type thing, a little emergency light that, that kicks on outside of the door. A couple other people go rushing in, push past you guys, go through the door, and they slam it shut. I don't know no. about you guys, but I, this sounds really bad, what he told us in there. I think we need to go take care of that other world demon, or the whole world's going to be covered in its yuck. I agree with you, Phil. I agree. Let's go cast these demons back to the hell they came from. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't sound like any Mormon talk to me. Heck, <laughs> I got away from myself. <laughs> Look, obviously you're getting excited. I think you Mr. need to Nichols, calm. I am. We need to get going. What do you guys say? Did anybody bring a car? I always have a car. I'm a valet. Oh, right. <laughs> Silly me. That's what I do. I drive, I help him dress. Even when he's naked. <laughs> Look. <laughs> All right. There's nothing that I can do for him here. 
I have this box. He's giving me one last charge. Well, can Man. I listen to the door of my stethoscope? That's what I'm going to do. Well, now, I don't believe you're stable enough to drive. I don't want to drive. I want to listen to the door with my stethoscope. No, Mr. Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> All I want to say is, what's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess I do have a box. Yeah, you're There's carrying a, a box, bro. Okay, can I open it? Well, uh, hold you on, let me uh, pour some salt on it real quick, just to make sure that... I do have some holy oil. Uh, what's it look like? That's <laughs> some blessed oil in my little flask here. Do you want me to drip it on there? Nah, man, salt. Dab. What we need is some salt, and we need to mutter some chants real quick. Believe me, I know about these oh, kinds of matters. Oh, flim flam, this oil's blessed. So, well, come on, man. <laughs> that's your that's your argument. Yeah. Uh, uh, Keeper, what does the what does the box look like? Uh, yeah, it's just a <clears throat> like I described an innocuous metal box. So nothing special uh, for the box. Okay, uh, I open it up. Okay. Um, all right, you open it up. And there's a few things inside. Um, demons. How many demons? <laughs> demons jump out and uh, eat all of you. <laughs> they don't eat me. I'm shaking my uh, maracas, my spiritual maracas. They keep demons back. <laughs> and then they embrace calm, calm Phil your McGann. Calm your maracas. <laughs> this is super hard. <laughs> okay, so you guys open the box. Um, uh, the couple of things that you find inside, there's a deed and a key. Uh, next to the deed, there's a letter, uh, and then there's a small like sarcophagus. <clears throat> sorry, a small like sarcophagus-shaped box. Ooh, I take the sarcophagus-shaped box. Hey, Nichols, hey, give me the sarcophagus-shaped box. I'm holding the box. I have all the stuff. I'm gonna punch him. Uh, there's also I a slim journal. As you try and snatch. Oh, that sounds like a fighting brawl. Uh, yeah, you guys gonna beat up each other already? He's trying to snatch stuff out of my box. <laughs> you can never easy, deny the schnitzel. Easy. Easy, brothers. Let's see what's in the box. Why don't you tell us what it is, Mr. Nichols? It's a severed head. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. I'm just kidding. Okay. So let me recap there uh, in case you guys missed it all. There's a deed and a key, yes, a letter, sarcophagus-shaped box, letter, and a small, slim journal. Guys, there's a box within a box. What kind of bad juju is this? <laughs> it's like boxception. <laughs> Which, for some reason, I'm very familiar with. Okay, are you guys looking at any of it? Uh, yeah. What's? Uh, let me look at the letter. Okay. Um. All right. So you grab. Uh, how do I? How do I move this to you? Just like drag it to your character. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Cool. All right, handout number one. All right, go ahead and read that out loud. Okay. Where are you? Hmm? Seth only sent it to me. No. We'll just share it with him. Okay. All right. So let me read this letter to you guys. You gentlemen and lady. Sorry. Thank you. Dear friends, in the years after the nightmarish events of the night in my youth, I have seen many strange things. Only now... To begin to grasp the truth of reality and the scope of what is happening in the world. I've tried. <clears throat> Sorry. Last letter from my friend. 
I've tried, in my small way, to combat the horrors and make amends for my part in bringing one to our plane of existence. What I have left to offer, what riches and wealth that I have, I will put to good use in dealing with these abominations. It is the very least this old coward can do. You are a coward, Master Merriweather. Why this may not have a new. <laughs> I could never make myself go back to that little farmhouse and put those events to rights. I too gravely feared that which my friends and I loosed upon this countryside. Nothing of consequence has yet taken place, but with my death, I fear the bonds will be broken and that horror free to come and go as it pleases. Lives not yet taken already weigh heavy on my conscience. The method of delivering the thing out of this world is still in that accursed house. The translations made by Marion from the book De Vermis Mysterious Sure. I was never strong enough to take on the task, but I have hope that you are. In ridding the world of this, perhaps you will save my soul from hell. Or heck, sorry, <laughs> Mr. Landis. Thank you. <laughs> For I fear that my deeds have not been enough to release me from this heavy burden. I do not expect your forgiveness in what I ask of you, Rupert Merriweather. This is very unusual, yes. Okay. It's like, <clears throat> it's like what he told oh, us. Dear Mary, Mary weather. Over this cabin oh. in the woods. Mr. Nichols, do you have a car? Of course I have a car. My valet. What's that deed for? The deed? Is that for the house? Uh, yeah. Let's open up the deed. What is the deed? For. Yep, uh, the deed is for a uh, uh, property that has a farmhouse on it in a small village called Ross's Corners. Uh, it's west, a couple miles west of Arkham. I'd like to read the last entry in the journal. Are you spying on my... Are you peeving on my computer? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, we have the journal in there. I'll pull it out. I'll hand it over All to, right. Way to go, Professor Victoria. Chapman. Okay, there is uh, four pages in the journal. Uh, you want to read just the last page? Okay. Let's just go through it. Just read it all. Yeah, go ahead and read that. Okay, February 27th, 1877. Marion Allen has acquired an artifact... Purportedly uh, Egyptian, it appears to be a small uh, sarcophagus of gold. Inside, it is a large piece of amber which entraps a specimen of some unknown species of arthropod. Allen is very excited as the box corresponds to a description he found in an ordinary reference volume in the university's Orne Library. Allen says that in another book, De Vemis Mysteries, is an explanation of the powers of the box. The text says the small animal trapped in the amber is actually the host to a bound jinn, a guide to the spirit world. Alan says that the tome <clears throat> mentions that originally there were four such species of amber contained in the box. There's no mention what happened to the other three. 
We are agreed at a, at a date as has been set to conduct ceremony intending to summon the jinn, which Alan assures us will be friendly. We have chosen the night of Saturday the 18th of March, the night before the new moon. Wait. Are we on the new moon now? We began the ceremony as Alan instructed. A fire set in the fireplace and a pentagram chalk on the floor. Marked with appropriate symbols and illuminated by two black tapers placed near the center, flanking the piece of amber with its entrapped spirit. The others sit in a circle while I, the designated watcher, who guards for malevolent spirit, sit in the corner of the room. At least I get the comfort of a chair while the others can look forward to sitting on the floor for hours. Alan throws a handful of powder in the fire, producing an, ev an evil-smelling smoke dampening the flames, which now burn a sputtered green and brown. Those seated on the floor begin the Latin chant Alan has described from the book. After nearly two hours, I see a trail of smoke circling up from the piece of amber. Its surface seems to be bubbling and melting. Can this be? Have I finally achieved success? I can see a form. Dot, dot, dot. March 20th, 1877. We have finished with our plans and have sworn a pact never to speak of what happened last night. We have sat satisfactorily explained the death of poor Robert and in some manner the madness of, the madness of Harold. The sh sheriffs accept the explanation of a carriage accident. We planned it well. Robert's neck was broken in the fall, we told him. Harold struck his head on the rock when the horse's <clears throat> legs broke and the carriage rolled. Would it be that it, would, it was only that? For the rest of us, we will be forever changed by, the, by what we experienced last night. I will write down the two events so they are not lost completely. The thing formed in the center of the pentagram, shapeless and nearly visible. Its terrible voice should have given us a clue, but we are so foolish. It spoke then. Alan cast the damned powder on the gin. The dust... Whoa. Whoa, darned. Well, please watch darned. the language. <laughs> dust. dust of Ingazi? Ibn Ghazi, he calls it. And that's when we could all see it clearly. Words cannot adequately describe the faceless things that, with a, or that thing with a thousand maws. A roiled and bubbled, never fully revealed itself at any time. So terrifying was its aspects that I was frozen in place my pen falling from my nerveless fingers. Cecil and Alan seemed as lifeless as myself, Let's see. while a short, sharp cry issued from Crawford's mouth. Robert, however, rose to his feet, and before anyone could stop him, stepped forward as though to embrace our horrible guest. With his arms or those appendages that seemed most like arms, it looked, or it took, hold of a poor of poor Robert and twisted his head around as though it was a doll. The lifeless corpse was then thrown back in Harold's lap. And that's when it, he began the unspeakable shrieking. <laughs> Thank you. Darnable. <laughs> the shrieking that happened <laughs> hasn't stopped since, even after we handed him over to the sheriff's men. We still had a chance, apparently. Alan now believes that if we could or we had kept 
our wits, we could have reversed the summoning and forced the creature back to whatever it came from. But Crawford panicked and mistakenly believed that it would dispel the creature, reached forward and destroyed part of the pentagram, breaking the seal and ending its effectiveness. Released from the binding symbol, the thing, with a screech that could only have been unholy satisfaction, was ejected from the house, disappearing out of the window as a roaring, screaming wind of boiling colors. Okay, so quick recap. You guys are uh, pretty disturbed right now by what you're reading in this journal. Um, Very disturbed. uh, A group of six friends uh, basically went uh, up into a cabin in the woods. Which is why I was so excited for this story. I was like, it's a cabin in the woods story! And read, read a book that they shouldn't have read and summoned the deadites. <laughs> yeah. So they went in and they did a ritual, drew a pentagram, uh, did some Latin chanting, um, and some horrible beast appeared. Uh, and then uh, their friend, uh, there was a couple of friends that uh, had some incidents here, obviously. Uh, Robert. Robert. Uh, Robert went forward thinking that, uh, you know, in the classic, uh, his last name was probably McGann. Uh, <laughs> Tried to hug the creature. <laughs> he was thinking that it was going to be a friendly spirit guide, and the thing just snapped his neck, basically. Uh, and then when his dead body, his dull, uh, cold dead body, fell back into the lap of Harold, uh, Harold basically went insane and couldn't stop basically uh, talking about it. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, There's a couple more pages in the journal. Uh, I think there's two left. I know this is a long, uh, long read in the journal. March 24th, 1877. Alan intends to leave Arkham and travel to find a solution to this crisis. He said that he intends to seek out occult scholars in New Orleans. I pray, I don't pray, he is successful, but my hopes are high at this point. Not high. Not high at this point. He insisted that I be custodian of the gold sarcophagus and not show it to anyone. What's even more... Alex, dude. <laughs> Sorry, accent. It's actually really good. Oh, thank it's you. Good. It's great. Okay. What seems more odd is that he instructed me to not visit or even live in Boston. I can only guess as to why, as he will not tell me. <laughs> His reasoning, Uh, apart from his insistence that it is for my own safety. Marion still thinks that the thing could could yet be destroyed, or at least dispelled. But none of us who remain have the stomach for such an undertaking. I hope he can find a way to safely bash it without another... Banish. I says banish. It was out another of of us falling into its malevolent grip. I stop reading now. 
All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. It's all right. <laughs> English is not my first language. It is actually. Look, I got 80 in my English. <laughs> oh, that's better than mine. I've got 60. Oh, you're so stupid. <laughs> All right, all right. Mar March 26th. Is that where I'm picking up? 1877? Yes. All right. <clears throat> we now believe that the spell we cast to summon it in... <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Sir, words. Inextricably? In inextricably bound the thing to the house. Alan went back to his... Oh, wow. I can't even... I'm doing worse than you, man. <laughs> I've got to pick this computer up so I can see. You can zoom. All right, yeah, let me... Oh, oh there we go. That's better. Yeah, there you go. All right, all right, all right, all right. Calm your tits, everyone. Use your monocle. <clears throat> Alan went back this morning to retrieve some of our belongings and store our ritual accoutrements. He says that he heard it bumping around in the attic over his head, cursing him all the while. He said that it also told him that it only has to wait us out. When we were present, wait, when we who were present are all dead, it will roam the earth freely, slaughtering and feasting. Oh my. Th <laughs> Thankfully, the warding signs carved by Alan during better times, times that seem so long ago now, apparently are effective and bar the thing is that what that says? Bar? It says, yes, yeah. it says bar. Okay, okay, all right. Apparently are effective and bar the thing entry except into the attic of the farmhouse. I might be able to sleep a few hours tonight knowing it is bound to the attic and cannot harm anyone else. I am hopeful for the first time since we stupidly released it from the amber. If it told him the truth, then we have time to seek the answer. God be with you in your search, my friend. Guys, this is... Deep stuff. All right, there's one last handout, page four. And let me give that to all y'all right now. Hey, if you want to read that one? You want me to read it? Sure. Okay. Yeah, here you go. Here, you take it. Pass it on over. October 14th, 1877. I just discovered that Marion Allen is dead. Oh, dear. And has been dead for some time. For some months now. He was murdered in New Orleans this past August. I suspect that he spoke to the wrong sort of people about the things we have seen. And they killed him. The newspaper mentions the sarcophagus, so they may have been after the gold. <laughs> <sighs> that is three of us gone now. I must do something. I've already begun ancient history classes at university, so I believe I will try to research the problem at the farmhouse in that manner. Perhaps I will uncover an ancient secret of how to rid our world of that beast in my own way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want me to read this article too? Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, well, yeah. okay. All right, August 14th. This um, is a newspaper oh, clipping it's that's an, it's, taped in Right, there. newspaper clipping, 18, 1887. So 
10 years later. Brutal murder at the docks. New Orleans, the body of Mr. Marion Allen, late of Arkham, Massachusetts, was discovered early this morning near the Gulf of Panama docks, a victim of foul play. The man was identified by local witnesses who said that Mr. Allen had been seen in the, lo in the locale the evening before. After rob Although robbery was the apparent motive, police report that the victim had gruesome marks carved into his forehead and his tongue had been cut out. Huh. Mr. Allen had reportedly gone to the police earlier that, that this week claiming that he was being followed and that he feared for his life. He said his shadowy pursuers were after an Egyptian artifact which he no longer possessed. Okay, just below that in the, in the journal, there's the names of six people written. Um, one is Robert Menken McGann, March 1877. Harold Copley, <laughs> August 1877. Marion Allen, August 1877. Crawford Harris, January 1910. Cecil Jones, March 1919. And then Rupert Merriweather is without a date. I'm assuming that's when they all died. However, Marion Allen's is wrong. It says August 1877, but the the newspaper yeah, clipping says on the August 1887. It's got to be a typo. I'm confused. Yeah, ignore the 1887. Okay, uh, he died in 1877. 77, yeah. Okay. All right. These are some terrible events. Mis Mr. Landers, are you okay? I see oh, that distressed you. It quite did a bit. distress me indeed. <laughs> so, breathe. I'm actually going to okay. have all of you guys of make a sanity roll. Moment of silence. I'm going to go around. I'm, I'm, uh, all right, start I'm going to burn some sage Fred, real quick uh, while I roll this sanity. Mr. Landers, a, a Are we rolling for sanity? Yeah, roll for sanity. Okay, I'm burning some sage for some extra luck. Oops, okay. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sage didn't do me any good. I rolled a 98. Uh, I rolled a 66. Oh, yes, I that's rolled a failure. Five. Oh my! Oh my! Okay, who? So who failed? I did. This definitely has affected me. I rolled a ninety-eight. Whoa! That's what I rolled, dude. You did okay, too. Everybody that <laughs> failed lose one point of sanity. All right. So you guys have uh, read the letter uh, and the journal. Yeah, and we all just rolled for sanity. Yeah. Yeah. Failed. It's messed up. Yeah, anybody that uh, failed their sanity uh, just lose one point of sanity. Yeah. So it's me again. Circle. Okay. Uh, there's a sarcophagus-shaped box. You guys want to take a look in there? We will not Is that take the gold box? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me put some oil on it real quick. I'm just gonna dump some snake oil. I mean, you've got oil too. <laughs> I do, yeah. Would you like me to bless your oil real quick? I mean, uh, just pass well, it how over. How about you, you put a little bit of your oil on, and I'll put my oil on. We'll just mix it together, and, and it should... Uh, and we will see okay. who wins. You can put yours on first. I'll put mine on top. All right, all right. Hold all right. on. How about I both of you? Stay away for a minute with all your oils. I mean, let me, let me man, take a look at okay, so Whatever might be in there. As Nichols, as Mr. Nichols uh, reaches in and pulls the box out, you guys all look at it, and it does appear to be gold. It also has some strange markings on the outside of it. 
Uh, they look uh, like some sort of hieroglyphs. Um, <clears throat> if uh, anybody is interested in trying to understand those, somebody make me a history or an archaeology roll. This is a bit out of my wheelhouse. Archaeology? Yeah, I've got a 20. Professor. Professor right, Chapman. I've got a 55 on history. I'll try for that. I've got a five. I've got a sixty in history, dude. I rolled a one. <laughs> did you oh, really? Man. I did. Yeah, zero zero one. Give us all. Give yeah, us well. all. Give it all. Nice. <laughs> all right. Time to read some hieroglyphs. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, actually, Phil, uh, I'm gonna let you roll a d10. All right. And increase your archaeology score. Oh, nice. I got a 10. Nice. Oh. Increase your archaeology by 10 points. Puts my archaeology up to 10. <laughs> I have 1% on that. You had 1%? Yeah, and I rolled a 1. <laughs> wow. It's the one thing you've ever studied. <laughs> Just happens to be exactly what you needed. Told you guys, I'm really in tune with the spirit world. They're guiding us. Actually, you cheated on that roll. I watched. Hey, you stay out of this, man. That was guided by my spirit animal, the majestic narwhal. <laughs> That's the first one I've rolled since we started recording this podcast a year, like two years ago. <laughs> okay, um, Mr. McGann, you are able to tell that these hieroglyphs are Egyptian. Um, and you recognize them uh, from or as coming from the Middle Kingdom. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You can't actually read them. You can just <laughs> you can understand that they're Egyptian. Okay, they're Excellent. definitely not Mayan. That's what a one gets you these days. You know, back in my day, a one got you a lot more. Um, you open the box, the lid comes off, um, and there's not really anything inside. Uh, of the box, there's not uh, any sort of items inside. But as you turn the lid over, uh, you do re uh, see some some writings on the inside of the lid. You guys take uh, roll me an occult roll. One of my special. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any skill in occult. Ooh, I've got a forty-five. Hi, one of you. Uh, Let me take a look types. at that. You take a look at that. I failed. Nabbit, I rolled a 50. You're yeah, mom, you're an occult, right? You should know what this is. Well, not a oh, cult. Right. It's a religion. I rolled a 6 out of 65. Jeez, <laughs> man. That a good I boy, told Bill. you guys, my spirit narwhal is guiding my hand. <laughs> All right, as as uh, Gil, or sorry, Phil, as Gil's right, twin Mr. brother, McGann, Phil. What is your narwhal telling you? Uh, he looks I'll inside. The tell you that. And the <laughs> he hears a a Norwal whisper to him. You'll recognize these. That's what a Norwal as writing. I don't know what noises a narwhal makes. It's like, yeah, I don't know either. It's actually his brother Nor Gil. Oh no, it's a uh, hey buddy. Norwal. <laughs> so Gil pops out of the ocean and goes, brother. <laughs> oh, Gil, listen to my friend. 
He's riding a merman or a Gilligan. So the yeah, he's riding a Gilligan. Um, all right. So basically, you you uh, take a look at the writings and you recognize them um, oddly from your studies of all your spirituality and and occults uh, and odd things of the universe. You recognize the these writings uh, as coming from the lost Pacific continent of Mu, M U. Mm. There's not a lot of this language around. There's not uh, much known about it, but you've seen uh, similar markings, so you recognize that that's probably where they're from. Okay. That's everything in the box. You are not able to read them. You do not have moo. So, guys, basically I'm able to deduce that these are uh, Egyptian hieroglyphs, and this writing is from moo. That's about all I got. It's from yeah. Moo. Like Moo. Yes, he's like Moo. a cow. Like a cow. I'm taking on your accent. But now forgive me, <laughs> Mister McGann. But that sounds made up. Well, fine then. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just. I've always been a very uh, nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes kind of guy. I'm having a hard time believing all of this occult stuff. Well, that's probably why you've never moved past just being a valet. <laughs> you need to loosen up, man. All right, Mr. McGann, I'm going to yes, overlook that. that was a burn. Loosen those nuts and bolts, man, and be free with the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Heinrich. Dr. Schnitzel. Dr. Schnitzel. Yes. Do you know what's wrong with Master Merriweather? You as doctor, do you have anything you can tell us about it? Yes, I can tell you very much about it, but I don't feel like it right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so you guys have basically... I don't you have some choices here. You know, you've learned a couple of things. Um, you've got a, an Egyptian hieroglyphic box with some other language written on the inside. Uh, you've got a key and a deed. To the to a farmhouse, um, you've got a couple of avenues to go, go to, the to go down. So you got to make a decision of where you guys got want to go next. Um, and while you're deciding, while you're thinking about that, um, that siren that was going off in uh, in the hospital room uh, with the little light above uh, Rupert Merriweather's room uh, turns off, and you uh, notice. The door slowly kind of opens, um, and a bunch of the doctors and the nurses come out, close the door behind them, and one of the doctors comes up to you guys and, and says, oh, I believe you uh, were in there with the gentleman. Um, I apologize to have to share this news with you, but um, Mr. Merriweather has passed. His, uh, his, his condition uh, was, was uh, not something that we could really have an answer for. So I apologize. Um, I'm sure you uh, must be shocked at this news of your dear friend. But uh, uh, well, on to the next guy. See ya. All right. He's in a better place. Sounds like you could have used Dr. Schnitzel in He's there. definitely in a better place, my friends. My brothers so and the sisters. doctor walks away, but you guys do recall that Bertrand kind of threatened a little bit. So Let's sing a hymn before that you we might go. Coming out to do something. He, wants so he wants the box. What do you guys want right. to do? <clears throat> guys, I think we should go now before that darkness... That's what I've been saying. Valet, do Look, you I have, have a, car a car outside? So let's go and rejoin in the car. Good. Doctor. Dibs, shotgun. 
Uh, I yell after the uh, the uh, the doctor that's walking away, Seth. Uh, yes, yes. He's dead. As a doornail. <laughs> Let me know if anything changes. <laughs> and then I walk off. I have no idea who you are or where you're going, but uh, yeah, I'll reach out as I can. Okay, so you guys... Uh, I follow Mr. Nichols. I finish my hymn, and then I leave. The lady professor follows Mr. Nipples um, and (laughs) out to the car. Perhaps you'll prefer the schnitzel. All right, now, Dr. Schnitzel, I don't know what I think about any of this paranormal stuff. You gotta tell me, that looked to me like a tumor. It was a tumor, wasn't it? Here, man. No, it was not Take a this tumor. black vial, and you can just it feel was the a dark tumor. energy radiating from it, man. You can't deny it. Here, hold it. He's definitely had some demons in there. It was demon. If we yuck, wouldn't have got yeah? kicked out. I could have cast them out. Doctor Schnitzel, See, listen to Fred Landers here. This guy knows what he's talking. Actually, about. as as uh, Phil McGann lifts the vial up of black goo, uh, you guys all notice that it does kind of start shifting around a little bit. Not necessarily like it's alive, but almost like it's alive, and maybe just moving in a in a very odd manner. I need to take a pill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here I got some liquid for. I can't take it dry. Okay, so you're heading out to the car, right? Yeah, we were heading out to the car. Yes, I drive. You all hop in the car. <laughs> I drive. Uh, I got great drive. I'm assuming the valet's gonna drive. Mr. That's Nichols. Kind of what he does. Open, opens all the doors for, for everybody and driving. Clo- closes them each as you, you know, out of habit. He closes all the doors as you guys climb in the car. Um, and then he hops into the driver's side and, and drives away. 